Hello, 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 and welcome to WDGS 333 on your podcast station. I am your host, your girl, Afrida, here to bring you the most of what did God say ministry. Oh my, oh my, oh my, as I'm just laying back, chilling and relaxing, And, you know, one thing I like to do, I have different methods of meditation. Sometime in my meditation, I challenge myself in endurance. Sometime in my meditation, I just give thanksgivings to God of greetings and salutations. Sometime in my meditation, I sit still, I play me a little mind game, and as I play the game, I'm I'm processing examination of myself. How many of you understand the importance of examining your ways? I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, so many times, you know, I find such a exhilarating, I mean, liberating and exhilarating part of myself when I, when I study God's word. This is why I advocate God's word. I have came to the realization, and I know people have other outlets, people have other means and methods that sustains them in their journey through life, that sustains them to process a better way of thinking or process a better way of acting or process a better way of just Coming into a full identity of knowing it's okay to be who you are. And that's the first book that the Lord instructed me to begin writing some years ago. Who are you? So it is so important, I believe, for us in our in our existence and our coexistence to tap into understanding who we are. And it amazes me sometimes because we will exert so much energy into trying to define ourselves, not realizing it's vicariously through other people. And not to say that that's a bad thing. I mean, many of us are shaped and 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 formed emotionally and in our thought process and in our characters even and conduct because of our mothers, our daddy, our sister, our brother, our auntie, our uncle, truly our grandparents. They become uh, legendary in our imagination in order to guide us. In many, in many areas in our lives when we're in the process of identifying who we are. But this is the thing that I came to what I realized in my journey more than anything that have became profound. It's so many things that have became profound in my journey. You know, I didn't always know who I was. 
I know who I thought I should be. Because as children, most of the time, you know, we're asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to do when you grow up? So we search sometimes ourselves through the eyes and the lens of the world. And we begin to internalize what we feel or what we think we should be based on what's sociably acceptable. And although in in, in seeking that to, to, to blend in and fit in, we may not even identify that the majority don't mean it's always right. Oh, I hope somebody got that. So many times we will follow the traditional way or we will follow the majority because we believe that the majority means that that must be the right way to go. But the more God has graced me to come into alignment through his word of who he say I should be. And that's why I advocate God's word. Because in the word of God, it tells me things that most time society does not. Society does not put a footprint in our lives to believe is normal. I hope y'all understand. Okay, let, let me let me break it down a little bit. Society feel teaches us how to compete, how to excel, how to to follow our dreams and to identify who we are based on what we achieve in life. Oh, God, I thank you today. But see, God lets us know in his word that whether we have reached a platform to be pronounced or well known, we are somebody. And that's what society does not structure as a majority for individual humans. And this is my my opinion. You may not agree, but I've heard celebrities, I mean celebrities with status quo, with money, even still waver and wonder who they are. Oh, I hope somebody get this. But see, the word of God has begun to teach me as it shapes and make and mold me to understand whether I'm a little quiet person in a corner I am somebody. Whether I I achieve my dreams or not, I am somebody. Whether I can reach all my predestined desires and even those that God has as a plan for my life, I'm still somebody. You know, it's a beautiful feeling To understand God's love. Because it is that love that will let us know whether we are based or whether we are bound. Whether we are rich or whether we are poor. Whether we are pretty or whether we are not so pretty. Whether we are fine or whether whether or not we are voluptuous. We are still somebody. 
But I believe and I believe this wholeheartedly in my processing and meditating and, and communing with God. And that's another thing I like about God. I can commune with him at any time and not feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on a time limit. I can commune with God anytime and don't feel like I'm being criticized or ostracized. I can talk to the omnipresence from my belief system that validates. See, it's not just an imaginary thing. God is, is, is even though we cannot see him, so we have imageries in our mind, but the beauty of the power of God in my life is this. When I commune with him, oh God, I thank you. When I talk with him, when I meditate in his presence, he always seemed to somehow manifest what I'm communing with him in my meditation in the natural. Oh, that's power for you all. See, this is where you got people, some people who say, I believe in God. Some people say they don't believe in God. But see, my motivation to believe in God wholeheartedly is because there are things I say. There are things other people have said or done that God has allowed based on the biblical knowledge of my study to manifest what well, I can see it. And once you begin to actually see something, it becomes beyond the imagination. See, the imagination is the perception to believe. But the manifestation is the realization of what you can see. Oh, I hope y'all got that. And because of the manifestation, of the different things that go on in, 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 in my life that God reveals for my eyes to see what my only my mind used to imagine. Oh, that get deep. When your eyes can physically see what your mind at one point in time used to only can imagine. When you can imagine you could be a well-known singer or a person known all over the world. Or you a day is set aside with your name on it. If you talk to people who have reached a, a status quo of fame or fortune, it, it, it generally starts from an imagination. Especially, let me say this, especially self-made millionaires. They, the imagination in their mind evolved to a place of manifestation. So I say all that to say this. As we living in this 2020 year, landmark year, this is a landmark year that will forever be recorded in our history books, in the history of our own minds. It will be a year that will be passed down in every lineage to be recorded and be reflected upon at some place in time. Because this is the year when 
so much shut down in the world. This is the year when the magnetism of protests began to evolve in a place that we never imagined, but it manifests. This is the year when coronavirus have everybody that has any concept of thought process in reality of the unknown, whether or not they will create a vaccine that could heal people or whether or not it will even work when they create one. This is a year of the unknown. This is a year 2020 when all we can generally rely on in the reality of 2020 is our visions. The things we can imagine, we hope. We imagine there will be a a, a vaccine. We imagine in our mind for years that there will be equality of justice. We have imagined how to find ourselves in a way that we can stay sane and come up with an outlet of being quarantined. You know, 2020 is a landmark. And it's amazing that the numbers are doubled 2020. It has brought a lot of things to people's eyes and their view and their vision. But one of the biggest things I believe that 2020 has done for me in examining not just myself, but even the atmosphere, even the climate that's moving in the world, not just the U.S., but the world that says one thing more than ever. There's a great cry unheard. I can hear it in my spirit. A world cry. And that cry is that we all have a measure of damage. I do believe, and many may not agree, but in some shape, form, or fashion, We all carry some damage. And because of that damage, then we move into the arena of either bitterness or unforgiveness or envy or jealousy or strife. That has been coming up in my spirit lately. And and, and sometimes this is the beauty of God. God will bring things, you know, in our lives from children, from little children. And then it will dissipate. And then you'll come back into another season and it will reciprocate. Oh, I hope y'all got that. Sometimes you'll know things from birth as you grow that will diminish in your journey. And then something will happen. Some pivotal moment. Some reminder. That will bring you right back to what you may have reflected upon when you was three, when you was eight, when you was 12, when you was 16. It's amazing. We all have our story. That's why I advocate with people about being competitive. It's no need for us 
to feel the need to have negative competition. A little positive competition is good when it challenges you to push yourself to another plateau in life that maybe you didn't think you could achieve until you push yourself because of what you was competing against. See, and this is the thing. We have gotten a mindset by tradition we are competing with. And this is where I believe envy and jealousy comes into play. We're not, we should not be competing with one another. When you're competing against, that means you know that somebody going to come out in the competition to win. And that's when you understand your spirit as a good sports. You know, when you was little, when people say they have good sportsmanship because you congratulate the winner, even though you competed against them and not with them. Oh, I hope y'all got that. See, bad when they used to say you, you, you're bad sports. That's be, those those mentalities where people compete with you and that's too much like covet. They want to be like you instead of being challenged by you to say, I can run a little faster if I if I'm if I'm in competition to keep up, not in competition to outdo, but to keep up or either excel to become a winner. And not to win, to be puffed up. But see, this is the thing I like about the challenges in my life. They have pushed me in such a way that it compels me every day to operate more like the mind of Christ. I'm going to tell you what I like about Christ. Uh, Beyond the fact that he's our savior is that He moved through his 33 years of life, which was a short span compared to any of us that have children that that are past 15. If you have a child past 15, the probability you are older than 33. But the amazing part about Christ is this. He was recorded just like 2020 will be recorded as an example for us. And so when I, when I study the word of God and I study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of John, what's considered the four gospels, I am always intrigued and amazed by a human life who knew how to walk in a strength From a higher power. See this is the thing. Although Jesus is our savior. He didn't have. Strength without. Recognizing God. He would have to commune. And meditate. With his father. In heaven. So as an example. As Christ being the example. And there are many many other profound people that has coexisted in, 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 in time spans that we can draw the same example. But the only thing that sets Jesus apart for me is that his example, 
I understand was really beyond any imaginable human to humble themselves, to go to be nailed on a cross and still have humility. You're not fighting for your life. You're not fighting to be heard. You're not fighting to impress. The the, the amazing part about Christ is that he continuously went to a place of persecutions. Not just one time, but many times lies and accusations and humiliation was placed over his name, placed over his journey. But yet, in spite of in spite in spite of the humiliation, he stayed humble and loving. And he performed miracles to help those not who did so much for him, not who gave him all these wonderful gifts or all this money. He stayed humble in spite of the humility the, the, that other people humiliated him by saying and doing. He stayed humble and even talked to our Father in heaven. And said, although these people are treating me wrong, I'm not going to say they damaged me. They wounded me. Instead, I'm going to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I go back to saying we all carry a measure of damage. But how long will we allow that damage to continue to damage us without coming to a realization of the mind of Christ as a believer? Now, if you're not a believer, I can understand your perplexity. But once we come into the knowledge of the truth and begin to Allow the words from the word of God to truly be a living word in our lives. That's when the word of God said, let this mind be in me. That is also in Christ Jesus. And one of the most profound things that Christ did in his 33 years of journey, he emphasized the importance Of two words, love and forgiveness. And he became a living form in this world to even exist because of love and forgiveness. The word of God says that the purpose that Jesus coexisted is because he came because for God. For God, listen to me, people, for God 
the person we consider God, Jehovah, Allah, the highest power, Israel. God has so many names. But whatever name you apply to equate to God, he allowed Jesus to come in the form of flesh, the same way he let every one of us come into the form of flesh. But what made Jesus different from us is because the way he came into the world. See, people, we can't believe God for miracles if we want to die sick and limit him. When he allowed a child to be placed in a womb without physical sexual conception. That's a miracle. But he didn't let him come as a foreign object or a foreign looking object. He still shaped and made and molded him to come out that womb looking just like we do human beings. Oh, I hope y'all got that. So that's the only difference of of his coming into coexistence than every other human being. But he still came with two eyes, two legs, two arms. And he came into the earth in order that we may see this as a living example. He was not conceived to coexist through the sin nature, but through the purity of not being sinful as an example. So let's look at an example for a minute. Jesus showed us, yes, I'm a human man. And that's why I go back to what did God say? I advocate the word of God for these causes. If we pattern by examples of Christ, then we will ask God to forgive people who wrongfully persecute us. And we will ask God to forgive us for even hating that person. When we are damaged and we are wounded, And we become bitter and scorn. Those wounds take us to places to process so many bad choices because we choose not to forgive. But then in the the scripture, Matthews, the sixth chapter between verse 14 and 15, it clearly says, Especially if you are a believer. If you have any expectations. This see, this to me is where the rubber meets the road. This to me, that scripture to me defines truly how deep your belief in your level of God. Because what it clearly says, if we have any expectations for God to forgive us, then we must forgive. Now, I go back to what I was about to say. 
when the word of God says that Jesus came to coexist, it was because of love and forgiveness. The word of God says that for God so loved the world, not just Jesus, but the world. That means if you're in the world, that includes you too. That God so loved you that when he gave his only begotten son who received that title because he came by way of a different conception to coexist. For God so loved that he gave. See, and, 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 and so we go back to we must give forgiveness. Now, why did he give? He he gave that we may be forgiven. Oh, I hope y'all got that. He for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believing him should not perish. What does that mean? But have everlasting life. That means that our sins can be forgiven. Now, if I were wrong, and we know we in our humanness, we didn't walk like Christ. Somebody, somebody we've said something to. And the word of God makes sin, it, it narrows it down. You know, so many times we want sin to be these mass uh, crimes. But but we want it to be what somebody had to steal and kill or commit adultery and sleep with somebody's husband or, or just shoot up a bunch of people. But see, the simplicity of a sin is not on a grand scale of sin. The simplicity, according to the word of God, is this. He said those who know to do good. And does not. That's a sin. So how do we all become sinners then? But then so what God. He sent a savior. To advocate. That we may be forgiven. And, and, and to be forgiven. We don't have to go before a judge in the court of law. To be pardoned or forgiven. All we have to do is Repent. And ask a simple phrase. Father, forgive me. Whether we knew what we did or we knew not what we did, we should ask for forgiveness. But see, that, that's a twofold thing. Forgiveness, now, unless God is a liar. God's word said we are forgiven by God when we ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. So what does that mean? That means if you have not found it in your heart to forgive others who you feel have wronged you or you may know have wronged you. See, it, it, it's like a transaction. If you go to the store to purchase something, if you don't want to be a thief, if you don't want to rob God, oh, God help me today. Then when you get to the counter, in order to walk away with the merchandise, you must pay the price. And that's how Christ paid the price. That we may be forgiven. 
But that's an exchange. Forgiveness comes with forgiveness. I hope y'all got that. You not you you can't possibly be sitting around believing in the perception that I don't have to forgive somebody, but God is truly gonna forgive me. Now, if it's an exchange, unless God is a lie, He said, "I forgive you as you forgive others." Where are you going? What heaven are you think you going to with your unforgiving heart? uncircumcised heart. That's why it's so important for people to ask God to create in them a clean heart and renew a right spirit and not what I say a right to me miss but to a righteousness. Oh, I hope y'all get this. You must get to a place to nurture and meditate And seek out who you are in your spirit. If you truly want God to forgive you. See, this is how I keep myself under the microscope. When I want God to forgive me for every stinking thing that I've said. Every stinking word that ran across my mind about doing something that I know was a sin. Because when I go back, when God said, when you know to do good and does not, it's a sin. It is not good to even think wrong. Even in our humanness, every platform that teaches on positivity, they tell you just how much thinking positive can even heal your body. Thinking positive can encourage you and motivate you to make the right choices. Thinking positive can keep you focused and on track. Thinking positive can bring you to a place of humility where you don't have to be on seven different platforms to feel important. If you just sat in a corner and nobody ever knew you, you are still loved. See, and what separates people in spite of all we run around in this world and do. If you don't show love and forgiveness. What is your divine destiny? Because we all do have a divine destiny. Yes, our flesh and our bones are go to the grave. But I truly believe in the word of God. And that. We have a spirit. And even though we may be absent from the body, our spirit still coexists. So what do we think we're going to take our unforgiving, loving spirits? I'm just asking. What is your divine destiny? Are you going to allow what someone did to damage you, to hinder you, from a divine destiny that you, especially when you say you're a believer, but you're walking around here in unforgiveness. And you're repenting to God for him to forgive you. Well, it's good to repent. We all should repent. We should repent daily and throughout the day. But the thing is, this is why I didn't want to rush myself 
to nothing to die prematurely once I woke up from my soul sleep, from soul, from, from soul attachments. And attachments is not just a boyfriend. Attachments can literally be to our mother, our daddy, our sisters, our brothers, our grandmother, our granddad. You can have such a soul attachment like Jonathan in the Bible had for David. Where you will go out your way, even if it puts you in harm's way. And so, but this is the beauty of God. God don't want us to be like that. This is why the word of God, I believe the very first commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. When we practice operating, loving God first, then we'll start working on cleansing our uncircumcised heart and begin to forgive people. See, we say these words like, well, I, 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 I want God to forgive me. He said, well, you got to forgive people. Now, I'm just saying in the reality of things, if God not a liar, technically for all of us who don't want to forgive somebody, that means we are not forgiven by God. So what does that mean? That means that person we're not willing to forgive is hindering us from being forgiven by God. And if we're not being forgiven by God, then what does that place our divine destiny? What will our spirit ascend to or descend to? Oh, I hope y'all get this. I just needed to pop in here for a little minute. Because, you know, sometimes as I commune with God, I sit back and I just thank God. And I thank God and I thank God for the word of God. And and not just having the word available to me, but willing to submit myself to study God's word, to seek out his scriptures. He said the purpose of God's word is not to is not to elevate ourselves uh, above humility, but the purpose of God's word mainly, he said, is to hide it in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. And that's what I get so amazed with the humanity of human beings. Because I'm going to tell you something. When God had me, years ago, I used to read the Bible to impress people that make them know that I, I'm a Bible reader. Until the word of God encouraged me. By letting me know, nope, that's not your purpose. That's not your purpose. I said, what do you mean, God? He says, not your purpose to, to study the word and learn the word except for two reasons. One, to hide in your heart. That's the first reason to keep you in line, to keep you in check, to to get you to have a relationship with me to do what I instruct you to do first and foremost. You should never get up in a platform before people if you haven't examined your ways. And took taking the word of God, hid it in your own heart to prevent you from sinning against God. And then God said, once you get that 
understanding our freedom. Then you are compelled to teach others. See, and this is what Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples. When every time they asked him a question, he was like, okay, but you've been hanging out with me. And you still don't understand? Because they would ask Jesus questions just like the multitude, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And the purpose, I believe, that Jesus asked them these questions, and it's just me asking, you know, saying, is because he couldn't understand. This is what is about you. You first got to know this information for yourself before you can be compelled to teach it to others. Let me teach you how to pray. You have no no authority when you're trying to teach somebody something that you don't know. And not only sometimes when we know this information, but we need to master it. That's why some people call Jesus master. Because he had mastered love. How can you let people spit on you? How can you let people treat you the way they do and seek after your very life? But yet you want to bless them? You want to let people touch you? Just to draw your energy from you? You, 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 you want to pray for them? What manner of man is this? They say he speak with such authority. Telling them. The first commandment. Is loving God. And the second greatest commandment. He said that I came to teach you. Is to love. Your neighbor. As yourself. How can we learn to love ourselves. When we're damaged. When we're wounded. And we feel that. Because we want to. Take that person with us to the grave that hurt us to be hurt also. But see, Jesus came as a living example to show us. Even though when people have hurt you and wounded you and damaged you. And to teach us, we must forgive them. Because unless we forgive them wholeheartedly. Then. Are we forgiven by God for everything we have done? I I don't want to live in this world and not be forgiven by God because I have sinned. I truly have sinned. And I know all sin detaches us to fall short from a glory. I do believe in heaven. This is why I talk to God. There's no way that I would have a spiritual relationship with God without believing in a life after this life. That's my divine purpose. Because I believe in the hereafter. I do believe. I do believe our spirits never die. Because see, for me to take a... A a thought process to not believe. That means I cannot believe in angels. I cannot believe in goodness. If I cannot believe in God. I I cannot even believe that my life even matters. I cannot believe that the breaths of life. 
is not a miracle in itself. That the conception of life is not a miracle in itself. So for me to believe things that I have no control over coming into this world to exist other than by a power bigger than me. See, that's where my analytical mind goes. What man began to create humans when human, our own flesh and self haven't even learned how to know who we are? It got to be a bigger power. Who allowed babies to be formed in a woman's womb to be carried in her stomach? I have to believe in the book of Genesis. There's no, I I have to believe in the dispensation of that time frame to still see the coexistence of it in today. This is what I said. We can imagine a whole lot of things in our mind. But when the imagination becomes a realization, this is why I can't understand why a parent don't brace the connection with their seed. Now, that's just for my mind. It's not to step on nobody's toes. I have children that I can tell you they are spirits, each and every one of them, and they carry a different spirit. And I have to, I remember when they was little, you know, I used to tell people, I have to split myself in five ways. And now it's six ways. But back then it was five ways. I had to split myself and I had to, I had to be one whole mother. And then I had to be five different mothers. Oh, I hope somebody got that. Because you cannot parent your children alike when they all carry different personalities and spirits. You can parent them as one parent. And you can buy them all the same thing. But if they don't carry the same spirits, you will have to diversify your personality to adjust yourself to deal with this child that way, this child this way, this child. Because you may have a quiet, a quiet child and you may have a crying child. You may have a strong child. You may have a weak child. So for, for whatever their personalities and characters, as a loving parent, you will have to study your kids to know how to apply all these different personalities and function in your own skin with your own emotions. Parenting, I believe, when we pass God, Jesus, the next is parenting. This is why I believe the word of God in the Ten Commandments encourage children to honor their mother and their father. And But when the word of God also says, don't provoke your children. Now, what does that mean? Because I don't think people know what that means. Don't provoke them to anger. That means you can't raise your children and not come in connection to identify what and who they are, how to guide them to be good citizens. Every time you let your child be disobedient, every time you let your child be rude, when you don't teach them manners, when you don't teach them how to function as good, loving citizens, not to beat people out of money, when you don't teach them 
That it's important for a person to to learn a, a skills in, 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 and not education necessarily, but even because you want to teach them to be educated. You want to help them with lesson, but if they some kids, you know, they they don't they don't process learning in a textbook. But you want to teach them no matter what skills to tap into to survive. You want to teach them that being lazy and living off people, bumming and begging, that that is not a way to enjoy the fruits of life. Because the word of God teaches. So it teaches all of us that the most happiest people, I'm telling you, are the people who have their own money. You know, they had a little song when we used to come up uh, saying, God bless the child that's got his own. I think when people have not really made life successful for themselves, and what I mean successful is a comfort, where you don't stress out about how your rent will be paid, your lights will be paid, your water will be paid. You, when, you, when you remove those stressors, of surviving from your thought process. You can you can you can replace it with joyful thoughts. Yes, it's, it's challenging to go to work. But I'd rather get up and go to work every day and get to a place to learn and master my job and bring home a paycheck to remove those other eight or ten stressors because I I'm sitting around with no money. See, working what working did for me, even as a single parent, it, it, it kept me free from worrying about how I'm going to pay my car note, how I'm going to pay my car insurance, or, or better yet, you know, without a job, how I'm going to get around because I got to depend on other people's. And they and one thing life will teach you, you can't make people move when you think you feel like you should want them to move. You have not that control and ability. So therefore, I needed to get me a car. I needed to pay car insurance so I don't risk being pulled over by the law and have to go to jail and spend more money. See, this is where your job comes in. And so your job removes those stressors. And the only way you're going to work and still be stressed out is because you don't even understand the purpose of your job. Your job is to remove stress. It is to provide means to remove the stress factors. Now, if you take your money and you throw it away, oh, God, help me today. Then that means that temporary joy where you place your money going to turn around and bring you added stressors of survival. See, Fun and joy is only a small component in our lives that we give so much attention to. But happiness has its place to enhance our lives. But it does not define whether or not we can survive. Oh, I hope somebody got that. I know some mean, stubborn people, but they are surviving. And I know some real happy people, but they are struggling. That's what I mean. So you have to choose which road and journey you want to travel. But for me, it's better for me 
to show love and forgiveness because I truly want God to forgive me. It's better for me to even love myself enough to take care what I need to take care when God provides me with the provisions to do stuff. That I, I may not have a stressful life and that my life may not be a stress or a burden to others. Because to me, now it's in my opinion, when you become a burden on purpose, and I'm talking about people who are healthy and could, could move to do what they need to do for extracurricular, for fun and games and play. When your body is in good and health, good to the point that you can you can you can move for anything but a job. See, to me now, and this is my opinion, that person don't know how to love. Because what one thing love teaches us, and this is from the Bible, this is not Alfreda just talking. Love teaches us how to give. And if you don't have the means to give, you can't never give. See, we're not just here for our self-gratification. I believe that the component of love is to reach a level in life that when people come on your journey, you can be a blessing to them. And if you don't work, you can't never be a blessing too much. Unless you go somewhere and take something from somebody else. But when you are taken of your own, not just a blessing to yourself, but even a blessing in your community. A blessing to the people that you fellowship among believers. I don't believe that life is about just taking, taking. And every time somebody sees somebody, they, they got to help them and give to them. And in order for that person to survive, they got to ride somebody else's coattail. I think that's one of the most selfish acts we can do as humans by nature. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes unfortunate things happen. Sometimes people get laid off from their jobs. Sometimes people get released from their jobs. I'm not talking about those individuals. I'm talking about people who are not willing to get up out their bed because they're thinking about how much they want to sleep when other people have to get up and they want to sleep too. But they made a commitment to be positioned in life, to show love to themselves and others by earning money. You got to show love to your children by earning money because how else are you going to provide and take care of them? So I, I, I've always seen love in a bigger scale than what most people equate love to. They think it's a hug and a kiss. Or lay in the sheets and shake sheets. They think it's skipping in the park. A parting in the club. But love is so far, far, far beyond that level. And this is why I advocate to try to teach people. Love come with responsibilities. You know, my kids used to say as a teenager when they wanted to date. I said, you first need to be responsible. Love is a responsibility. It's not just about saying I got a boyfriend. It's not just about I got a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. It's a responsibility comes with showing love.
even having children. That's, that's just not something you do because you in the joy of the moment and give no forethought ever to this is a responsibility that I will have to show love. I will have to work and provide to show love. You know, your children, if, if you struggling, don't you know that they hungry? Don't you know they have needs for things, clothes on their back? Lights in the house. It's a whole different thing when you're a single person by yourself and you have no children on this earth. But I believe so long as we have children, that's why I think it's a sad thing they had to create child support. If you acknowledge that's your child, you need to, you need to show love by supporting them. And all support, I say again, is not hugs and kisses. Nobody breaths of life cannot totally survive off of that. It may help encourage and strengthen us. But it, it don't put food in your stomach when it's hungry. Yeah, love may help dry some tears. But if you got to go to the doctor because you sick. You you can't you can't pay for you can't pay for that uh uh cold cough medicine and say well I love them. You know if 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 you need to if you need to keep them warm when it's when it's when it's cold outside, you can't stand out there in the cold and just be shaking and and, and get hypothermia and say but I love you. When it's severely hot in the summer and they. About to faint and pass out riding in a car. You 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 can't just say, but I love you. You need to turn some air in the house and in the car, which burn more gas in your car and more electricity in your house. I, I be trying to fathom the logic of people when they say, I love you. But 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 your actions are not conducive. If all you think you're going to give me is hugs and kisses and just tell me that. But you see, I need more than that. In order to survive. Love and forgiveness. Very powerful. Very powerful. And I pray. I pray. I pray. But this whole world wakes up to understand we all have some damages I, I i i'm i'm being honest i have not met a single human being on this planet on two feet that have not said somebody have not hurt them everybody i know been hurt by somebody some of us been hurt more than others but hurt still don't come with a measuring stick Somebody may be hurt because a child got a bicycle in the house who was the oldest. Didn't understand the parents sending them to the store. All they know is they remember one of their siblings got a bicycle. They didn't get one, so they bitter. Then you got other people who have real severe damage. They've been hostage. They've been trafficked. Human traffic. They've been raped. They've been beaten and made to live in a closet. 
And they are trying to walk through this world and process how to function in normality. Why you got another person over there worrying about because they didn't get a bicycle that year. And now they grown. They can go buy them two or three probably. And they are still harbor.